in a series for some time through 1 Corinthians 13, and I'd invite you to pull out your Bibles this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 8. Last week we looked at the particular uh, phrase, Word of God, love is not rude, and we talked about how to give and get respect. This morning we're going to look at love is not easily angered. How many of you have gotten angry before? We've all gotten angry. And as we will see, this is a God-given emotion, anger. It doesn't have to lead to sin. God's given us this emotion. And so we want to learn how to manage our anger before it manages us. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Look at verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And would you bow your heads and join me in prayer one more time. Lord, I'm asking this morning that you would please help me to share this message. This is such an appropriate message for all of us, all of us who are Christian people, all of us who who are endeavoring to, to live this Christian life all of us who are endeavoring to, um, to love individuals. Um, this is uh, a message for all of us, me included. I pray that you would help me. Help me share it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to begin with a story that I heard. I heard about two men, a pope and a lawyer. A pope and a lawyer. They both died on the same day. They were at the pearly gates. And they met St. Peter there. And St. Peter said, follow me. I'm going to take you to your new homes in heaven. And so he took the pope and the lawyer. And the first house they came to was very, very small. Only had one bedroom. Sparse furniture. One desk. One bed. And St. Peter said, pope. This is your house. Then he took the lawyer. And they came to this beautiful mansion. I mean, it was a huge house. Swimming pool out back. Beautiful view. And the lawyer was overwhelmed. He said, the Pope only got a small wooden house. And I get this beautiful, beautiful mansion here in heaven. What gives? And St. Peter said, well, we have a lot of Popes in heaven. But you're our first Lawyer. (laughs) And um, I hope we don't have any lawyers in the crowd. And I hope we don't have any relatives that have lawyers. Because I'm talking about not easily angered. Don't get mad at me (laughs) if you're a lawyer, especially this morning. But I want to talk about, again... Love is not easily angered. Did you know 
that in one year, in one year, in the United States, one year, six million wives were beaten by their husbands. One year, six million wives in the United States were beaten by their husbands. In one year, the same year, 10 million, 10 million children were beaten by their parents. Were beaten by their parents. The people who know one another, family members, this violence is on the increase. Now you would agree, if you were to look case by case, that the majority of these people are not, I repeat, the majority of these people are not monsters. They're not monsters. By and large, most of these people do not know how to control their anger. And you have to, if you have a problem in this area, and we all have had a problem in this area at one time or another, and maybe you still do, we have to learn how to manage our anger before our anger manages us. And this is where we're at this morning. Love is not easily angered. And this is what someone writes. The initial feelings of anger are not necessarily sin. The initial feelings of anger are not necessarily sin, sinful. Rather, it's what we do with these feelings, whether or not it leads to sin. Because in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, we read, In your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. And so anger is a God-given emotion. A person with a short fuse who is easily provoked and who flies off the handle is not slow to anger and therefore is not loving. Sinful, destructive anger happens when anger is released quickly, quickly, and in inappropriate ways, and the consequences can absolutely be terrible. Now, I think that there are at least six keys to managing anger, and I want to talk uh, with you about those six keys this, this morning. First of all, I believe, I believe the Bible teaches that we have to be comprehending. We have to be comprehending. We have to understand that anger can be controlled. Anger can be controlled with God's help. It can be. Again, God made you with biological makeup with the ability to get angry. It's a God-given emotion. Some people say, no, it isn't. It's a God-given emotion. And anger, managed correctly, is an asset. But managed misappropriately, and it, become, it can become a detriment. And so we need to understand that anger can be managed. Now, you, if, if you've been around individuals like I have in counseling situations or perhaps you have uh, children in your home or perhaps you've had next door neighbors and they have a problem in this area, often they use the excuse, I just blow up. I don't have any control. And my response to that is baloney. It's not true. Baloney. Uh, and the reason why I say that is 
is because here's an illustration of what I'm talking about. You're, ha- you're having, let's say, a heated discussion with your spouse or with your teenage child. And it's pretty heated and there's a lot of angry words that are being shared. And all of a sudden, the phone rings. Come on now. The phone rings. And you're like, you're just really a volcanic reaction here. And the phone rings. And all of a sudden, you pick up the phone. And it's totally different. Hello. Yes. Oh, how you doing? How you doing, George? How you doing, Susie? Oh, I'm doing really good. Yeah, what's happening with you right now? (laughs) Oh, things are going really well right now. Now, come on, it's true. You see, we can manage our anger a lot better than we think we can. And that's an example of what I'm talking about. We've got a lot more control over our anger than we think we do. So you resolve to manage it. This is what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 in the New American Standard Version says. All discipline for the moment doesn't seem joyful, yet sorrowful. And yet those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Afterwards. All discipline doesn't seem joyful. I'd rather just let them have it. I'd rather just let them... I'd like to be like... Mount Vesuvius, just let them have it. It feels good. The problem with that is, is that anger begets anger. Some of us think, well, if I just blow up and get it out, then I won't be angry anymore. That's not true. And so you can comprehend, be comprehending, you can manage your anger with God's help. And then I want, number two, we need to be understanding. We need to be understanding, and we need to understand how much anger costs. How much anger costs? The Bible says there's always a price tag. Look at Proverbs 29, 22. A hot-tempered man, context woman, gets into all kinds of trouble. Can any of you relate to these verses? You don't have to raise your hand. Hot tempers causes arguments. Anger causes mistakes. Look at that. People with hot tempers do foolish things. The Bible says that the fool that provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. When I lose my temper, I lose. When you lose your temper, you lose. Did you know that there's only one letter between the difference between danger and anger is a letter D. And anger is very, very dangerous. I have had friends. I have had acquaintances. I have had people in the churches that I pastored that have lost their jobs, good jobs, a couple of them, six-figure income jobs because they got so angry in a fit of anger they cussed their bosses out and they got fired on the spot. And it causes problems in families. If you are continually blowing your stack, your children will pick up that pattern after a while. I'm so frustrated. I'm so angry. I'm so upset. Well, you have to understand, and you have to understand that anger costs so much. You could lose everything besides your family, besides your job. You could lose your spouse. You could use your reputation. And you can lose your health. You can lose your health. According to an article in Parade Magazine, Anger, internal anger, is one of the main contributions to 
heart disease and heart attacks because people burn up on the inside and it affects their heart. And I, as a parent, I've been there, I know this. Anger has short-term effects for motivating kids. I know that. But it's short-term. It's short-term. You can get a lot of response out of fear, out of anger with your kids. But eventually it backfires. It backfires. Because they will comply out of fear. But in the long run, we lose because anger always alienates. It turns people off rather than turns them on, so to speak. So be comprehending and also uh, be understanding. Understand there's a, there's a huge cost. Number three, I think we need to be wise. We need to be wise. Wise. You, you want to wait and you want to cool off before reacting. You want to wait and cool off before reacting. In other words, don't respond impulsively. Look at that Proverbs there. Proverbs 29, verse 11. Notice, this is a modern paraphrase. I, I think it uh, reads this way in the Living Bible. I'm not sure which trans- paraphrase. But a stupid man, context woman, gives free reign to his or her anger. The Bible calls them stupid. A wise man waits and lets it grow cool. You see, there's cooling off. Uh, period. You say, Pastor Ron, I'm not, am I supposed to wait a whole day? Well, sometimes, but the Bible says to us in Scripture, I believe it's found in Ephesians, that um, we're not talking about uh, delaying it for a whole night. You know, the Bible says be angry and say not, deal with it, don't sleep on your anger, that kind of thing. We're talking about a few minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, whatever it may be. But the longer that we can wait, the longer that we can cool off and then we can formulate a reaction instead of impulsively saying the first thing that comes to our mind uh, in, in that burst of anger. Notice it says, a wise man waits and lets it grow cool. And I think cool it or chill out are biblical terms. Just cool it. Chill out. Take a siesta. Step back. Take a moment away. It was Jefferson that said, when angry, count to ten. When really, really angry, count to a hundred. Count to a hundred. Reflect before you react. Again, a man's wisdom gives him patience. So you try to understand your anger. You look at it. You analyze it. Why am I getting angry? Why, what do I really want? How can I get it? Uh, um, anger is very, very seldom the root problem. I've read a lot of books on this particular subject. Everybody from Gary Smalley, Language of Love, to Irwin, a number of people, a number of authors, and they all say that basically... Uh, the root cause for anger can fall into three or four categories. Three or four categories. Hurt, hurt feelings, physically being hurt, jealousy, fear, fear, and frustration. Let 
let me see if I can illustrate from the Bible. Back in Genesis, we read that Cain and Abel sacrificed. Cain's sacrifice wasn't up to God's standards. And what wasn't like Abel's sacrifice. As a result, Cain got hurt. He got jealous. And, and, in, and in anger, the Bible says, he slew his brother, Abel. He killed him. He murdered him. Physically, when we get hurt, not only emotionally, but physically when we get hurt, we get angry. When you're slapped in the face, you get angry. It's a natural reaction. I can remember when I was uh, working as a carpenter, being bivocational as a pastor, and I was working on this huge house in Pine Mountain Lake, which is near Groven, California, near one of the entrances to Yosemite National Park. And I was nailing off something, and, and then I got my cat's paw out because I, I was stuck. And I began to pound on that cat's paw, and I hit it wrong, and the cat's paw came out and popped me in the face, and instantly I got bloody, and it started swelling up there, and I got so mad. Oh, I was so mad. Just slap you in the face, self in the face, and see how angry you get. And so anger is caused by hurt feelings or uh, something physical that happens to us. We automatically get upset and angry. How could I do something so stupid? Hit myself with a cat's paw. Now i got a swollen lip. Somebody, and I, was, I went to church the next day. Uh, uh, excuse me, it happened on a Friday. I went to church, still swollen up. A parishioner came up to me and said, what happened, Pastor Ron? I said, I got in a fight with a, uh, a guy at work, and I forgot to duck, and he got me better than I did. I'm just joking. <laughs> so hurt feelings. Uh, physically being hurt makes us angry. And then number two, when we're afraid, when we're afraid, when you back an animal into a corner, what does that animal do? The animal will attack back. We read that the disciples, when they were in a boat and they were crossing the Sea of Galilee, that a great storm came up. And they were so afraid, they went to Jesus. And they said, "Don't in anger, don't you care about us? Don't you care that we're going to die in the middle of this lake? And so they were afraid. When you're afraid, you get angry. And then number three, when you're frustrated. Oh, it's so easy to get frustrated when something doesn't work right. You, work, you know, you're working for an hour underneath your sink and you think you've got this thing all put back together you turn on the water and all the water comes out on top of your head. It happened. It just happened the other day to me. I go, what's going on with this stupid sink? This dumb sink. You get frustrated. Um, how many of you have ever had a car pull out in front of you? I was driving someplace down an avenue and I was going about 60 miles an hour when this little elderly lady pulled out right in front of me and I had to slam on my brakes and keep from hitting her. And I got so upset at that little old lady and then a thought came into my mind. This is how the God works in my life. I don't know how he works in your life, but this is how God works in my life. I was going about 60. She was going two miles an hour. And I got frustrated. And as a result, I began to get angry. And the thought came to my mind, someday, that's going to be your mother. That's going to be your mother. So I passed her by, and she waved at me, and I said, Lord, help me. I smiled back away. 
jealousy, hurt, frustration. You see, these are the root causes of anger. They're the root causes of anger. When I'm frustrated, when I'm afraid, uh, when I'm hurt. So we, we, want to, um, we want to be aware of that. Number four. Number four, we need to be wary. We need to be wary. We need to learn how to express anger in the right way. How to, how to express it appropriately in the right way. Now, I want you to look at that passage of Scripture. I think it's right there again. We talked about it earlier, but Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Uh, I guess it's not up there, but Ephesians chapter 4. It's in your message note outline. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. If you become angry, do not let your anger lead you into sin. When you become angry, do not let your anger lead you into sin. Now, this verse implies that there's a way to get angry and not to sin, right? There's a way to get angry and not to sin. Is all anger sin? No. We read in the Bible that God got angry. We read in the New Testament that Jesus had righteous indignation. What's another word for righteous indignation? He got angry. He got upset because of the money changers in the temple court area. So we read in Scripture that there's a way to get angry without it leading into sin. God got angry. Jesus got angry. There are right, right ways to get angry, and there are wrong ways to get angry. There are helpful ways to get angry, and there are harmful ways to get angry, uh, to, to, to express it. There are appropriate ways to express anger and inappropriate ways to express anger. Again, if you become angry, do not let your anger lead you into sin. Now, we're going to talk about this just in, just in a moment, but to deny that you're angry is a sin in and of itself. You hear people say all the time, I'm not angry. I'm just ticked. I'm just annoyed. Call it what it is. You're angry. You're angry. Anger is not necessarily wrong. It's just how you release it. And so we're talking about how to manage our anger, appropriately or inappropriately. I mentioned... uh, Gary Smalley, he wrote that book a number of years ago, The Language of Love. Excellent book. He, has, uh, he talks, deals with this particular subject. Make Your Anger Your Ally by uh, Neil Warren. Both of these books are really helpful on how to express anger in a positive way. Proverbs 29, verse 11, in Living Bible, 29:11, A fool gives full vent to his anger. A wise man keeps himself under control. There is a myth out there that says all I have to do is express my anger, let it go, blow up, be like a mountain, and then it dissipates. I talked about that earlier. That's not true. They had this therapy years ago called primal screen. And this is what they told you to do. They told you to scream, to beat things, to let it out. And once you let it out, it would dissipate. But did you know that we're so full of this inappropriate anger that if you do that, it will just release even more. It will just release even more and more and more. We're like a volcano with all of this 
stuff inside of us that just comes up more and more and more. So that doesn't work. Here are three, three things not to do, specifically. Three things not to do. These are three things that you do not do. Number one, you don't stuff it, right? You don't stuff it. You don't repress it. You don't push it down. Um, uh, repress it means to push it down. It means to hold it on the inside. That always hurts you mentally, physically, relationally. When I swallow my anger, my body keeps score. In headaches, in colitis, not all colitis is caused because of anger, but some of it is colitis, uh, ulcers, uh, high blood pressure, all of these things, so don't stuff it. And number two, number two, don't hide it. Don't hide it. And what's the difference between number one and number two? Well, number one, you suppress it. You push it on the inside. And number two, you don't even admit that you're angry. You have this Pollyanna attitude. Again, I'm not angry. I'm upset. I'm a little ticked off. I'm a little annoyed. No, you call it what it is. I'm angry. I'm angry. Don't hide it. And number three, don't hurl it. Don't hurl it. Again, like Mount Vesuvius. Blow up. Let it go. Get out there. All over the place. Just hurl it out there. Let whoever's in the way, let them have it. Right, left. Uh, with our words. Uh, with, the, with violence. And... Uh, and sometimes with sarcastic remarks, little jabs, jabbing, constantly making snide remarks. It's, it's part of anger. All of these self-defeating behaviors, they just don't work. What do you do? You confess it. You confess it. You confess it uh, to yourself, to a trusted friend perhaps, and especially to God. I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm seeing red, white, black, and blue, and all that stuff. I'm angry. You confess it. Number five, be smart. Be smart. Reprogram your mind. Reprogram your mind. I, I want you to notice Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Look what it says there. It says, be, be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, we've talked about this before, but the way, the way that we act is determined by the way that we feel. The way that we act is determined by the way we feel, and the way we feel is often determined by the way that we think. It's often determined by the way we think. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Neil Warren, in his book, encourages people to sit down and write a letter out to themselves that says the picture of their ideal response to anger. So you write this letter out. The ideal response to anger. You don't write, shoot them with a gun. That's not the ideal response to anger. Think of the irritation. Think of the way you'd like to respond. Resolve it in advance. Decide. Choose to prepare in advance. Ask yourself some things like, do I enjoy getting angry? Does it produce the intended results when I get angry? Could I get the same results in a more effective way? How could I be different? What would I like to be in the ideal response to that situation? 
Gary Smalley suggests that you do the same thing and then you read it aloud to a trusted friend every day for 26 weeks. You see, if you're really serious about dealing with this issue of anger, if you have a real problem, you need to reprogram your mind. And you need to get to the root of it, of how you, the way you think about it and the way you respond. Because how you think determines how you feel, and how you feel determines your actions. The truth is, is that often angry people just are very, very insecure people. And they just have not learned how to manage their anger in appropriate ways. Number five, we have to be discerning. We have to be discerning. We have to be discerning. Excuse me, number six. We have to be discerning. We need to hang around people uh, who are patient and not easily given to anger. We need to hang around people who are patient and not easily given to anger. People who manage their anger well. I want you to look at Proverbs 22, verse 24. Look what it says there. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man, context woman. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his or her ways and get yourself ensnared. Is anger contagious? Yes. Anger is contagious. Can you be affected by other people's anger? Yes, you can. If we're really serious about dealing with habitual patterns, inappropriate anger management, then we need to start fellowshipping with people that are patient and not easily given over to anger. Choose your friends. This afternoon and this evening, I can guarantee that if you turn on the television, you will see many, many inappropriate ways to deal with anger. Cussing people out, slapping people around, using sarcasm to put people down. Many, many bad examples of that you'll see. The majority of them are bad examples. Slugging people, shooting them with a gun, stabbing them in the back, yelling and cussing. This is what Dr. James Dobson says. Listen to this. Successful marriages are not, successful marriages are not those marriages where anger or conflict does not exist. Everybody's got anger, everybody has conflict. If you don't have anger and conflict in, in, in your relationships, you're probably not normal. Everybody's got some sort of anger or conflict in their marriage. Or you're just old enough that you've dealt with it over the years and you've got through that. But most of us will admit that we have anger or conflict issues. We have something that creates some sort of conflict in relationships. Dobson says 
successful marriages are not those marriages where, where, where anger or conflict does not exist. It exists. But, but rather, listen to this, successful marriages are where they've learned to manage their anger. They've learned to manage their anger. When anger is managed, it produces great marriages. So we're not talking about the absence of anger. We're not talking about the absence of conflict. We're talking about learning how to uh, appropriately manage the anger that we do have. And there are appropriate ways and there are inappropriate ways to manage anger. Now I'm convinced, I'm convinced that this is where the Lord helps us in our lives. This is where the Lord helps us in our lives. Fear, frustration, hurt, jealousy, um, misunderstanding. You said this, no, you didn't, you said this, no, you said this. And so he helps us. Because he deals, the Lord helps us to deal with the root causes of anger. Like I said earlier. He wants us to put our faith and trust in him. And this is what Jesus said. He said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but my peace, peace that surpasses human understanding. This is a real issue that affects couples and individuals. And, um, and I, I'm praying that um, that you can put these things into practice in your life and in your marriage. If you're not already doing this, some of us are already doing these things and we understand what I've been talking about this morning. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray together?